Good. How y'all doing today? Good. You are much more awake than the last crowd. So I'm so glad you guys are here. Happy Labor Day. Hopefully you guys have some some fun things to do uh, this 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 coming weekend. If you don't, then we have uh, some some like stuff that you can do here, like tear walls down and everything else. Aaron will talk to you about that if you haven't already talked to him about that. So uh, good to have you guys here. My name is Corey. I'm one of the teaching pastors. I also oversee our next generations. Uh, it is a pleasure to be with you here. I want I want to ask you guys to do something for me here this morning, though. Can everybody just go ahead and stand up here, just real quick? Everybody stand up, please. Thank you. All right. So now this is what I want you to do. Okay, I want you to uh, to give a high five to three different people. Uh, around you, okay? It can be people that you know, just high fives around, very good, high fives around, awesome, awesome. Okay, now, uh, all the guys, I need all the guys just to sit down, all the guys, so that should leave the women standing, all right, just so we're, women standing, Michelle, stay standing, please, very good, okay, very good. Now, those of you all that are standing, this is what I need, I need somebody to bring me a dollar bill, it can be a one dollar bill, it can be a twenty dollar bill, just somebody, I need some, I, I need a dollar bill. Anybody got one? Raise a hand. Here we go. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring it over here. Yep. Very good. Thank you very much. Okay. Now, now, um, can somebody bring me their child? I need somebody. No, I'm just joking. You don't need to bring your child. You can actually be seated here, okay? Thank you, cheapskate. You only brought me a dollar. Um, let me ask you this, all right? I, I didn't offer any reward. I, I didn't threaten any consequence. So why is it that you just did what I asked you to do? Now, the simple, the simple word for this is influence, and that's what we're going to start talking about today, okay? Now, now, it helps that I've got a microphone, that I'm on a stage, that I've got a, a title, and, and that I'm a pastor, and that I've got a relationship with a lot of you, um, but you don't necessarily need a microphone, you don't need a stage, you don't need those things in order to be able to influence other people. Uh, now, I've actually been doing quite a bit of study on this, and, and I've, I've come to a conclusion that I, I'm going to walk you through, uh, and hopefully you'll come to that same conclusion. But let me, let me walk you through what, what I call this logical progression, if you will, okay? And so here's, here's where it starts, and if you want to debate me about this afterwards, I'd be happy to have the conversation with you, but, but follow me here for a moment, okay? Um, first of all, not, not all of us desire to be leaders, okay? Not all of us desire to be leaders. However... Every single one of us that's in here aspire to influence people, okay? That, that, that is a fact. Now, you may try to debate that. You might say, no, I don't really try to influence anybody. But the fact is, is if you've ever given some kind of like a review online, you've ever posted something on Facebook, you've ever g given a compliment to somebody, you've ever tried to share your belief with somebody, you want to influence them. You want people to like the things that you like, to think the things that you think, to believe the ways in which you believe to some degree or another. All of us desire to influence at some point. Okay, now, ironically, John Maxwell, who happens to be an expert in leadership, he says this, leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. And so if leadership is influence, that means that all of us are leaders at some level. Every single one of us is a leader at some level. And every single leader has a platform. A sphere of influence. Matter of fact, I, I'm going to use this picture here to kind of illustrate what I mean. Uh, every one of us stands in a platform with a sphere of influence around us. S some of us have bigger platforms, if you will. Uh, uh, some of us have more people that surround us. But every single one of us influence other people. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Think of some people that have influenced you. Maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally, and maybe they didn't even know it. It was maybe something they said or, or something they did, an author, a, a friend, a coach, 
a, a mentor, a parent, a peer, okay, you have sat in their sphere of influence at some point in time. You've been the blue people around the red person, and you've learned something, you've gained something, you've been influenced by them. Why would you think anything less of yourself? There are people who actually sit and stand in your sphere of influence. You have a platform, and, and what I'd like to convince you today is that that platform, your sphere of influence, is much greater than you could ever think or imagine. But, but the, the progression doesn't stop here. There's, there's one more step in this progression if you so choose to take it, okay? Because the thing that defines uh, or di- di- differentiates between you simply being a person with influence and being an influential person is this. Your awareness and your willingness to activate your influence. You see, all of us have a platform. That's our one thing today. Everyone has a platform. So activate your influence. Now, at this point in time, you might be thinking, this sounds more like a motivational speech than it does a sermon, okay? And, and I promise you, I'll get to some of the more spiritual things here in a minute, but, but, but I've come to learn, uh, because my natural bent is to be a teacher, to inform and to educate. Uh, but I've come to learn by listening to guys like our lead pastor, Aaron, and, and other people, that, that one of the best things that we can do from this particular platform is to motivate and to inspire, to, to influence to action, if you will. And, and that is my hope for today, that we can, we can actually motivate to action. And so, so our one thing, again, everyone has a platform, activate your influence. And here's what I want you to know today. You cannot help but be influenced, and you cannot help but influence others. And so we're actually going to take a look at a guy named Paul, and I'll explain to you a little bit more who he is, but we're going to be taking a look at a guy named Paul and the platforms that he found himself in, so that we, not those kind of platforms, all right, not those kind of platforms, the platforms he found himself in so that we might be able to better understand and maybe identify with those platforms in our own life. So if you've got a Bible with you here today, go ahead and open it up, flip it on, turn it on, whatever, to Acts chapter 27 and chapter 28. That's going to be where we're kind of camping out today, kind of looking at the story. For those of you all that are just now joining us on this journey, uh, throughout the whole summer, we've been taking a look at the historical accounts of the early church. In other words, the, the point where Jesus says, peace out, I'm going, spirit's with you, go and do your thing, uh, until the very end of the book of Acts. That's kind of what we've been looking at. And so today we find ourselves in the last two chapters of this particular historical account. And, and for the last half of this account, there's been a guy named Paul who's kind of been the centralized character. And, and that's the same for us today in chapters 27 and 28. Now, now this is what you need to know about Paul if you don't know anything else about him. Uh, he is an incredibly zealous person for God, but, but he was a Christian killer. He was going around trying to end people who were, were talking about what they called the way, following Jesus. But then he had an encounter with Jesus that actually sent him on, on a mission. And, and he ended up becoming one of the most influential followers of Jesus of his day. Not, not only of his day, um, we actually still read his writings. About a third of the New Testament, what we call the New Testament today, are letters that he has written. And we certainly see a big portion of the book of Acts and the early church movement being all about Paul. Paul is still influencing people today, in large part because he was aware of his platform and he didn't hesitate to, to activate his influence in those things. So let's take a look in chapter 27 and 28, okay? Uh, I, that's where we're going to uh, camp, but let's, let's start for a minute like where, where Paul actually has this encounter with Jesus. What we see Paul doing is, 
is he not only sees his platforms, he, he acts upon those. And the very first platform that he has is he has this encounter with Jesus, and, and he's faithful with sharing that with just a few people. Matter of fact, right as he has this encounter with Jesus, he starts to have a conversation with a couple guys about what just happened. And then he finds himself in, in, in kind of a small group of people explaining this whole journey that he has been on. And, and then he finds himself in a, a little bit bigger crowd of people. And then, then he starts to make it a point to, to speak in these synagogues. Every week he gets together and he starts speaking in these synagogues. Finally, he finds himself in the Areopagus, which is, which is like a, the, the place of philosophy where everybody would speak and share these new philosophies in, in Athens. And so he's getting these bigger and bigger platforms because he's being faithful to the small ones. Eventually, he finds himself in an, in an audience, of uh, a private audience even, with a governor and his wife and a king. And, and when we conclude in chapter 28, he is now appealed to Caesar, who's the most powerful, influential person in all of the no, known world at the time. And he's in the most influential city, which is Rome. And, and this is what the Bible tells us. In chapter 28, verse 31, it says this, And no one tried to stop it. You see, Paul was using his platform to the very fullest of his extent, and nobody tried to stop him at all because he was doing what God had asked him to do. Now, not only did, did Paul take advantage of these physical platforms and being faithful with the small ones, and God continued to elevate his platforms, but he also he was aware that his experiences actually elevated his platform. Matter of fact, every experience you go through, good or bad, adds a layer to your platform. And this is what I mean, okay? Uh, Paul was a, a very well-educated individual. Well, he used his, his, he used his education to propel his persuasion. Okay, He became a very persuasive guy. Uh, we actually see in, in Acts 19, it says, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. This was, this was his custom. What he would do is when he'd go into a town, he'd, he'd go to the local synagogue, the places that, that would have Jews that actually held the, 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 the Jewish scriptures as being authoritative. And he used his background and his education as a Pharisee himself to actually prove the, necessary, uh, the necessity of Jesus dying on the cross for their sins. And he would prove this to people. He would use his education. Now, I love what, uh, what Pastor Aaron says. Uh, he, he, says he says this, you know, Jesus spent... He spent three years with 12 guys, investing in them, making them disciples of his. Ordinary guys, which we need to know about, okay? But, but then the resurrected Jesus comes back and appears to this guy named Paul because of his pedigree and his platform. You see, Jesus knew that this guy had the ability to be influential, not only with, with these Jewish people and his audiences using his education, but he also used his intellect. You see, he used his intellect to, to reason with people. That became a platform for him. You see, uh, as he was going to the Gentile world, he, he would find that there were people that weren't Jewish, that didn't hold to the same scriptures uh, uh, authoritatively as these other guys did. And so he would have to figure out different ways of communicating the truths about Jesus. And, and so, uh, as Super Grover would say, I, I, I watch way too much cartoons, guys, all right? Um, he, he used his power of observation. And in places like Athens, he would go around and he would look and he would say, okay, you guys got this God, this unknown God. But can I tell you about this unknown God that you guys don't know much about? And he would use that to actually be able to share about Jesus and, and to get them to open their minds to who he was. So he used his, his platform of intellect. He also used his personal story as a platform. 
Now, if, if, if you take a look in just the book of Acts, it, it shares Paul's story three or four different times in different ways. He's got an incredible conversion experience, one that anybody would listen to and go, man, if God can do that in his life, then like, he could do something in mine. Now, I've got to be really honest with you. I, I personally um, have discounted my story for most of my life. Uh, matter of fact, I, like I, I would write it down, and I'd be like, nobody wants to hear this. I don't even want to hear this. It's just not that impressive. Uh, but it wasn't until I actually went to uh, to Argentina. I went, I went there on a sports ambassador's trip playing basketball down there. And, and at halftime of every game, they would ask us, uh, give us an opportunity uh, to be able to share our story, our testimony. And so I, I wrote mine down, and I started to share mine. And what I realized is that my story connected with other people's story much more powerfully than I could have ever thought or imagined. You see, growing up in church or religion or spirituality and, and knowing of a God but not really understanding the grace that's attached to that, that it's unmerited, that there's nothing that I could do to actually earn it, that actually connected with a lot of people. And so I've gotten to share that story over and over and be able to help people see the goodness of the God that we serve. What, what I have a feeling is, is you have probably discounted your own story at some point in time as well. Maybe your story is still shaping. No, no matter what form it happens to be in right now, your story has power behind it. And it might be one of the most powerful things you have because it cannot be disputed. Nobody can dispute your story, and your story will direct people to God's story. It's an amazing thing. Matter of fact, uh, in Revelation, as it's talking about uh, battling the in enemy, it says this in chapter 12, They triumphed over him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of of their testimony by what jesus did and then what he did in your life those two things can overcome the enemy and it can be an influential thing in somebody else's life but but quite possibly paul's greatest platform was this his misfortunes caused people to watch him you see paul endured uh, an incredible amount of pain in his journey uh, with jesus in the recorded history that we see, like over and over, like he was getting falsely uh, imprisoned, he was getting persecuted, he'd gotten beaten. Uh, matter of fact, as we enter into chapter 27 and 28, we see that he's still in custody of the Romans after being unjustly judged by, uh, by these Jews. And so he's like in chains now. As a matter of fact, as, as you start to, to research some of these things, most of the letters that he wrote to these churches actually came as a result of him being in prison. You see, when you're in prison, you have a little extra time to, to think about some other things, right? And so, so he actually got a chance to write these letters that got sent to these churches, which are now recorded history for us to be able to learn and grow from. It's, it's, it's amazing to see that influence. And it was all because of the pain of his imprisonment. Let, let me remind you guys, it was not his chains, it was his chains, not his charisma, that landed him in the presence of Caesar in the most influential city of Rome. Think about that for a minute. You see, his pain actually is the very thing that gave him his platform. In chapter 27, you'll see, this like, it looks all in one day. I don't know how many days it happened to be, but he's on a boat. Um, he's being transported to Rome, all right, because he appealed to Caesar. And what ends up happening is uh, the, the boat gets shipwrecked, and then he gets snake bit, and it's like all in one day. It's a really bad day for Paul, okay? This is shipwrecked and snake bit all at the same time. Lots of pain, lots of heartache. But what happened in these moments 
is that each one of these bad situations became a platform for him to be able to not only allow people to see something different in him, but also direct people differently about God. What we see here in this chapter is, is that he is a prisoner with a Roman fleet that is staking him someplace. And he is the one who's actually giving orders. He tells them not to sail, and they sail anyway. Then he tells them that he has this dream from God, and he communicates it to them. And, and, and at the end of this, like right before the shipwreck, these guys are getting ready to put out a lifeboat. And Paul, the prisoner, mind you, tells the, the Roman commander, he says, I wouldn't do that if I were you, because if you do that, no one's going to live. Now think about this. He has no pull, no persuasion. His platform is very small at this moment, right? But he chooses to use it. And guess what? The Roman soldier listens to him, and they pull the lifeboat back in. And, and sure enough, they shipwreck, but every single person that was aboard the boat ends up getting to safety. All because Paul used his persuasion and his platform in the midst of his pain. Okay, now, he gets shipwrecked, and they get to the shore, and, and they're building some fires because they're all wet. It's, it's, it's you know, not, not good for them. People of Malta are, are building some stuff, and, and as Paul's sitting around the fire, he's warming himself, a snake jumps up, a viper, and he bites him on the hand, okay? Now, the people of Malta are looking at this, and they're like, well, like, he was saved from the shipwreck, but he got bit by a snake. He must be a murderer, all right? He's getting his, his just dessert here in this moment. And so what happens here is this, this devastation, this pain that happens to Paul causes all the people of Malta to start looking at him and watching him. And they observe him over the course of time, waiting for him to swell up, waiting for him to kill over and die. And nothing happens. And it changes their very perspective of who he is and who his God is in that moment. Guys, you've heard the old adage, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? I'd like to modify that just a little bit. And this is what I would say. People don't care what you think until they know what you've been through. You see, our pain provides an, a connection to other people who have been through those things as well. And that's one of, the, one of the reasons why I hear it. Trace, like, we're not afraid to, to share our pain. We're not afraid to share uh, our sin struggles and our difficulties because we know that, that it's not about us looking good. It's about God looking great. And, and so this is what you've got to see. Like People come and they ask these questions. How are you going to help my marriage if, if you've never gone through any difficulties in your own? How can you help me manage my addiction if you've always been clean? But what do you have to add to my mental illness if you can't or won't try to even understand it? But when we can step into those, those gaps, when we can actually say, hey, listen, I, like, I understand you. I've been there too. My marriage isn't perfect. Like, we've been to counseling multiple times. You know, we struggle sometimes. We, we fight and we argue. We say things we shouldn't. Like my, my kids, man, they give me nightmares. You know, like they, they're frustrating. I've got this issue. What happens is, is, is people lean in and they go, okay, if you've got those things, then I'm willing to hear you out. Sometimes, guys, our greatest platform is forged from our greatest challenges. We oftentimes see them as maybe a, the, the biggest thing that keeps us from actually like, e exemplifying our faith, but God says, no, that is a platform. That is something that you have gone through. It is a layer that has been built up, and now you stand on a stage with other people watching. What are you going to do with that? Because everyone has a platform. Let's activate your influence.
let's let's talk for a minute about uh, elevating our our platforms. I I'll, I'll, my, my wife and I are uh, in the middle of a of a move. Anybody anybody moved within the last year or so? Okay, I feel your pain. Okay, that, that's me empathizing right now. Okay, it is a pain, and right now I'm kind of got like the perfect trifecta. Okay, we're getting out of our our, our previous house that we're renting, but we're trying to help get it ready to, to go. <clears throat> we just signed on papers. We're getting into a new house. And then, oh, by the way, we decided to do this big whole construction project in this new facility, okay? So it's, it's a little crazy around the Bullock household right now. <clears throat> but, but my wife and I, um, we, we listened to this, this book a while back on minimization. And we're like, we're trying really, really hard to kind of minimize our life and kind of get things on track. And so one of the things we've been doing, the hard part of minimization, we're going through all of our keepsakes. You know, all those, those things that are in boxes that you haven't opened up for years, you know, that, that kind of follow you everywhere you go. Yeah, well, we decided to open those up, dust them off, and start looking through them and figuring out what we're going to keep and what we're going to get rid of. <clears throat> and something, something happened. Uh, what, what you think is going to only take like 30, 30 minutes, like takes three days. Because you start reading through all these notes and these, these cards and these yearbook things. And, and you start to read through them, and you're like, oh, man, this is amazing. And it starts bringing some memories back. And, and I start reading some cards uh, from influential people in my life, like my, my older brother and my, my parents and my youth pastor. And, and like, man, it just brought some things back to me in, in the ways in which they've influenced me. But there was one specific thing that caught my eye. There was three different envelopes, um, all the same envelopes, all the same letterhead, handwritten notes. And they were from my, um, my little league baseball coach, Coach Walls. Coach Walls. And, um, and all of those notes came at like, really specific times in my life where I was either making big decisions or I had some kind of big disappointment. Now, he was my coach for three years, but he understood his influence in my life. And, and even past those three years, as I was in eighth grade trying out for the, for the high school team and I got cut for the, from the team and I was just devastated. I didn't understand why because I had the best tryout I'd ever had. And he somehow found out about this and he wrote me a note of encouragement. It influenced me. Not only in that moment, but it influenced me to want to do the same thing for other people down the road. You see, I sat in his sphere of influence, and he activated that influence in my own life. But a funny thing happened as we started looking at these notes. We not only saw the people that influenced us, we started to read through some, some notes and cards that we had received. Some from some friends of ours, dear friends of ours, family members, some from just acquaintances, maybe even people that we didn't even remember, okay? Uh, don't judge me, because you, you know this, all right? You're like People like Facebook you, and, and they, they you know, hey, how you doing? I went to high school with you. You're like, I have no clue who you are. And, uh, and so, like, we started reading through some of these notes, my wife and myself, and, like, it was amazing. It was note after note after note of things that we did or said or, like, were there for when they need us the most. And they were expressing this heartfelt thanks for us standing in the gap. And i got to be honest with you, a lot of those experiences were things that I don't even recall. I didn't even know I was making an impact. And, it, and if they hadn't have taken the time to write me a note, I would have never known that I was, I was doing anything. And that's how it is with influence. Oftentimes we don't even know the influence we have. I, I, like, I like what this gal says. Um, her name is something... Um, that I'm going to read to you here in just a moment. Uh, Lori Buchanan, she, she says this, never underestimate the influence you have on others. Never underestimate the influence that you have on others. And, and if that's the truth, m might I suggest that you pursue every interaction as if you had infinite influence. 
you never know the impact that you're going to make on somebody. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know the difficulties in their life. You don't know how your situation might actually be something that connects to their situation. And therefore, if that's the case, then, then pursue every interaction you have as if you have infinite influence. It can make an eternal difference. It can make an eternal difference. You know, I often think that we ignore our platforms because we're scared of the influence that we have. Uh, Marianne Williamson says it best this way. Listen to this quote. This is one that just like burns inside of my soul because it challenges me in ways that, that I need to be challenged. But this is what she says. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. In other words, we have more influence. We have a greater platform than what we could ever imagine. See, it's our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. So you're playing small? It doesn't serve the world. To acknowledge your influence is to take responsibility for it. Guys, you can't help but influence others. You can't help but be influenced yourself. That's why I think we need to be conscientious of the, the things that we listen to and the things that we read and the people that we hang around. You will be influenced by them. I, I, I'm a student pastor. I head up our next generation. I talk to our kids all the time about this. Uh, you need to choose your friends wisely. You need to be careful of, of what it is that you're listening to and what you're filling yourself with because that stuff impacts you. Whether you know it or not, it influences you. But in the same breath, understand that you have much more influence than you could ever think or imagine. People are sitting there looking at you, watching you, observing you. And it might not happen overnight, it might not happen in that instance, but you impact them by the very words you say, by the very actions that you demonstrate. You can't help but influence others. And therefore, we need to be aware of the platforms that we have. Now, I'm not going to belabor this point a whole lot, but I wrote down some platforms. I put them in three different categories. Some of the platforms that we stand on our life. It takes, it, it, it takes the form of, of places, of people, and of pain. All right, see if you can identify with any of these. And maybe, maybe you have some of your own, but some of the, some of the place pa platforms that we have are things like school, work, the soccer field, the grocery store, your social media outlet, gym, the gym. The park, the trail, the coffee shop. These are all places that you literally stand in and, and have a platform. And in those places, you find some people that you have influence in and around. Your neighbors, your marriage, your kids, your friends, your parents, the fine, uh, your barista, your hairstylist. All right, all these people are listening to you. You're interacting with them. They're in your sphere of influence. You actually have a platform with them. And maybe, maybe your pain might be the biggest platform that you have. And maybe it's, maybe it's your hospital bed, your illness, your sin struggle, your bad experience, your financial hardship, the divorce that you just finalized, the addiction that you're going through, the abuse that you have endured, an unjust judgment on you. Guys, you're standing on a platform. I want to illustrate this with one more picture. At the beginning, you saw a picture. This one is a little bit different, okay? This picture is different by one thing. Same people, same platform, same person on the stand. The difference between this person and the first person is the first person was simply standing on a platform. 
this guy is activating his influence. And, and it may be by the things that you say. It may be by a note that you send. It may be by the actions that you demonstrate. It may be by the way in which you live your life. But understand that you have more influence than you could ever imagine. Activate that. Well, chapter 28 concludes the book of Acts. But what's so interesting about, about this uh, account that we see in history is that it doesn't finish the story. We, we, don't even, we don't even know what happens to Paul. He ends up is still in chains, having conversations with, with Caesar in Rome. I mean, this is a big deal, right? But we don't know what happens to him. We're left with a cliffhanger. The, the continuation of, of the church is, is, is still in progress. And I think, I think that that might actually be intentional. Because it puts us in that place. Those of us who call ourselves the body of Christ, followers of Jesus, the church, if you will, we are the continuation of this narrative that we've been seeing. So, so what will be written about us? What, what, what will be the influence that we actually leave in the lives of others that people will write in the future about? Guys, we as a collective group, we gather as the church. Now this, this facility... This is awesome, and we're going to be doing a lot of work to it. We're trying to make this prime. But you need to understand that this building is simply a platform. It's not the church. You are the church. This just happens to be a platform in which we can build up and encourage and motivate and inspire so that we can send you off of this platform to go be the mission of this church, which is to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. But that does not happen. That does not happen unless you acknowledge your platform. You're aware of the platforms that you have everywhere. And, and then you actually activate your influence in those platforms. At that point, the traces of God's love will be made all over this city. And so I want to leave you with, with these two potential action steps, all right? Uh, take me up on them, leave it alone, whatever you want to do. But this was stuff that impacted me. And so I want to give it to you as a challenge. Here's what I would do. First of all, I want you to think of somebody that has actually had an influence in your life. Uh, like Coach Walls did for me. And, and they may or may not know that they've even had an impact in your life. Go look them up on Facebook. If you've got their phone number in your, in your phone, then maybe send them a text or a handwritten note and send it out to them. Let them know the influence that they've had on your life. Not only because it will encourage them, but it's also going to spur them on and make them aware of the fact that they actually had you in their sphere and that they have other people to impact as well. In addition to that, each and every one of us has a sphere. Identify who stands in that sphere of influence. And maybe there's somebody today that actually needs your intentional influence in their life. Maybe it's a, an encouraging note that you need to send to them. Maybe it's an, an invitation to, to coffee. Maybe it's a cause for concern because something's going on in their life that's just not good. And you care enough about them to intervene with your influence. Move to action in some way, form, or fashion. Guys, we all have platforms. Everyone has platforms. Let's activate our influence. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to be a part of this. Uh, you didn't have to give us a role. You didn't have to uh, allow us to, uh, to be a significant player in this journey, in this story, but you chose to. And in each one of us, you've actually given us an indispensable opportunity to make a, an impact in somebody else's life. And maybe it's just helping them through a difficult time, but maybe it's introducing them to your son for the first time. Lord, I pray that this week, 
as we interact with people, if we find ourselves in different places, as we evaluate our own pain, that you would allow us to see the different platforms that you've given us and that you'd allow us to just move, just speak, just say something, just do something to be of influence. It's in Jesus' name we pray.